This is Shi'ar Jashub, which in Hebrew means, a remnant shall return. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and along with the church congregation of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, we are blessed that you can join us for today's message. My husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, as part of his series on Heavenly Authority, is teaching about the proper and important attitude every believer must have in his or her service to the Lord Jesus. Having reviewed the great authority Messiah bestows on his disciples, Pastor moved on to the account at the beginning of Luke, chapter 14, where the Pharisees, once again, are indignant over Jesus' healing on the Sabbath. Don't forget that you can hear all these radio programs in this Through the Bible study, as well as information about our church and YouTube channel at shiarjashub.org. Serious times require serious Bible study, and we hope you will visit the church website and be strengthened in the Lord. So now, let's rejoin Pastor Greg. He is a God that healeth thee. Jehovah Jireh, right? So if one professing the name of the Lord, preaching the word of the Lord, heals on the Sabbath, this is a good thing. It's the work of God. Clearly it's the work of God, right? He's not quote-unquote working God is working. God's allowed to do whatever he wants to do, right? He's not working out of fear for provision. He's worshiping God and letting God do the work of healing. A matter of fact, the person that's healed finally gets the Sabbath, right? When you're sick, you don't really enjoy Sabbath rest, do you? Because every day you're on the bondage whether it's one of the work days or whether it's the Sabbath day, you're working just to breathe, you're working just to walk, right? And now if you're healed on the Sabbath, you can rest. God has made your body right again. But that logic escapes the Pharisees because they're so caught up in the cloud and the shroud of darkness they placed over their good intentions because of some wrong attitudes in their hearts. And so what happens here, he's at this leading Pharisee's house to eat bread on the Sabbath. And they watched him closely. Why are they watching him? They want to see the work of God or they want to trap him. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And dropsy is edema. Uh, dropsy is when there's a swelling, an abnormal swelling, an infiltration, excess accumulation of fluid, serous fluid. Uh, in the connective tissues and the cavities of the body, it's very painful, it's debilitating. So this man had this edema, he has dropsy. And Jesus answering, spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, now he's answering, you don't know if he's heard them say something? You don't know if he's answering because he knows what they're thinking, they're watching him, and so he's going to speak verbally what he knows they're thinking inside. He spoke to the lawyers of Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So he brings it up himself this time. We know other accounts, they come against him. He's bringing it up himself. But they kept silent. 
but they kept silent. The games that people play, right? This is dishonesty. They're looking like they're his friends. They're looking like they want to eat at his table. They want him to eat at their table. But it's all, it's all pretense. And he breaks right through it. And he took him and he healed him. And he let him go. Then he answered them saying, which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. Now, obviously, they're not saying, oh, no, we would let the ox and the, or the donkey die. Why? Because that's money. And they would get, they would save it for themselves. And really, they should save it out of compassion, right? When God gave the law, don't do work, he wasn't saying if you see an animal dying that you can pull out. That pulling out is like kind of work, and I'm going to count that to you. That's a natural reaction of goodness to respond. If you respond that way to your animal out of goodness, or if you respond to your animal that way out of, out of greed, whichever the motive is, why wouldn't you let this man be healed on the Sabbath? Why would you call that breaking the law or doing uh, regular work, your regular weekly work? How could you make such a correlation? They could not answer him. Which of you having a donkey or an ox, having fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? This man's being pulled out, pulled out of, of a bad situation to have rest, and they can't answer him. So, verse 7, here's what we're going to focus on. In verse 7, he told them a, a parable. So he told the parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the best places, now you see more information about these religious people, they're jockeying when they come in the room to try to get the best seat at the table, the leading seat. They all want to be the chief. They all want to be at the, what we would say today, the head of the table. Right. He tells them, he sees this, he notices them. As they're watching him, he's watching them. He noted how they chose the best places. And he tells them a parable saying to them, verse 8, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, and right away you think about the wedding feast, you think about the bride and the bridegroom, you think about the parable where the, the father invites for the wedding of the son, and obviously God the father is the host of this wedding feast. When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him Come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place. So that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For, for, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, this is very important in any discussion of authority. We've touched on it before, but when you talk about the great authority, there are some that can't grasp the authority that God gives to believers. The anointing that he wants, the way he wants us to walk as believers in Christ Jesus under his anointing to trample on scorpions and serpents. And there are those that do grasp it, and they do mighty things in his name. 
but they get very brazen. There's a brazen attitude that arises up. Look at me. It's like putting yourself at the head of the table. So you cannot discuss the one without, without discussing the other. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's the principle. All these are invited to the wedding feast. You go in and you assume the lowest position. That's our attitude. We should consider ourselves humble servants, taking the least position. And let God take us and lift us up. And he says to them, obviously they're the religious leaders, right? And because of their presence, because of their position, that's one of the things that will fight against them in accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you're going to tell me this carpenter with these fishermen and a tax gatherer and a few others, you mean the Lord is blessing them? I don't care that people are turning back from sin to holiness. I don't care that multitudes were fed. I don't care that the lame are walking, the blind are seen, the deaf are hearing, the dead are being raised. This can't be from God because we're not the first. Isn't that the attitude of the Pharisees? How can it be them and not us? We are at the head of the table. Right? Pride will stop you from recognizing God's work. Pride will interfere with the work that God does have for you because he has work for every single person. Pride and arrogance is a terrible, terrible thing in the work of the Lord and has brought down many a minister, many a ministry, many a church, many a denomination because they become blinded to the things of God either by their position or blinded to their sins because look what God has done through me. Either way, it's arrogance and exaltation. The work of God crumbles because they see not what the Lord has for them. He's presented them with logic, and now he's presented them with more logic because is this not the way of the covenant? Who did God exalt to give the law, to be the vessel for the law? Moses, right? And what are we told in the book of Numbers about Moses? One characteristic of him, he was the humblest man on earth. Right. He didn't want it. I, don't, I can't do it, Lord. The exalted will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And their religious motives are exposed. Why are you serving the Lord? Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing it out of show? Out of, out of self-aggrandizement to increase yourself for self-importance? Or are you doing it out of love, love for God, love for God's work, love for God's people, to bring people to be right with the Lord? If you're doing it that way, you, you want to see that man with dropsy healed right then at that point. And you praise God for it. If you want to do it the former, if you want to do it for self-increasing, you're going to grab the best seat at the table and you're going to not answer him when he speaks. And often this, this is a theme that runs throughout church history in the seminaries, in the religious institutions. I'm going to read you something from, again, this book, The Light and the Glory on Early American History by Peter Marshall and David Manuel. It comes right after a very dramatic section 
on how God intervened, all the different miracles that happened during the Revolutionary War that really um, go beyond explanation. And the people at the time, including Washington, would write giving credit to God for having so miraculously delivered them from the hands of the British and bringing about uh, this new nation that there never was a nation like this on earth, independent, free to worship God and to, and to be the light. They saw themselves as Israel, as the, the city on the hill, as uh, the light to shine forth. Just at the point that they have victory, something happens. On shiarjeshub.org, you will find information about our church, as well as a library of Bible radio and video programs to help strengthen your Christian life and witness. There are links to our Apple Podcast and Google Podcast, and of course a link to our Sunday morning service. The live streams on YouTube of the Sunday sermons by Pastor Greg and Associate Pastor Dr. Francis David begin at 10.30 a.m. and remain posted up on YouTube as well as rumble.com and on the church website. Also, it is critical that ministries that preach God's Word be supported in these perilous times. And on our website, we have a secure page where you can make your donation to Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle. And thank you in advance for whatever the Lord would lead you to give. That website again is shiarjashub.org and you can check Isaiah 7 verse 3 for the spelling. Join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.